Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Dr. Dan Engel, who is a board certified in psychiatry and neurology with a clinical practice that combines aspects of regenerative medicine, orthomolecular psychiatry, integrative spirituality, and peak performance methods. Today, we're discussing his book, The Concussion Repair Manual. So, uh, Dr. Engel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm glad to be on. So how did you get involved in uh, treating and talking about head traumas? Uh, well, I, it's kind of um, uh, similar to the title of your show, Falling Through the Cracks. I kind of fell into uh, regenerative brain medicine myself after about a half a dozen pretty significant uh, concussions and a lot of subclinical, subthreshold concussions from 20 years of um, athletic uh, competitive sports, mostly soccer. The concussions were everything from snowboarding to diving off a pier, landing on my crown, cracking C5, and starting med school in a halo. <laughs> so a halo device is one of those things where they screwed into your skull and you're fixated along your entire spinal column. And um, that was the first thing that kind of slowed me down, and it also was my entry point into formal, formally studying medicine. And then once I started in med school with uh, three months of that halo, it kind of gave me the first person perspective about spinal cord injury and rehabilitation. So I got more curious at that point about neurology and um, started studying that from both perspectives, from the clinical side, but also from the experiential side, from the client standpoint. And at that time, 20 years ago, which isn't a whole lot different than now, there weren't a whole lot of treatments in general allopathic Western medicine for concussion recovery. And I started having trouble with post-concussive syndrome, um, attention, focus, concentration, memory, mood dysregulation, etc. And because there weren't a whole lot of treatments, I started studying it on my own and then essentially came up with the therapies that I decided to put into the manual. So what's post-concussive syndrome? Uh, post-concussive syndrome is the combination of the neurological and psychological ramifications of concussion. So you meet criteria when you have a certain number of symptoms uh, within the window after a concussion, and those things include a variety of issues that are both subjective and objective, which means subjective from the client standpoint of what they're feeling and experience, but also objective things that you can see from the outside. And usually it's the brain's um, kind of reconfiguring itself and going through this convalescent or healing stage that includes um, a transition, but before fully recuperating, people can experience light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, problems with attention, focus, concentration, um, mood, sleep, a general sense of energy or fatigue. And it, it's an interesting thing, too, around head trauma is that the severity of the head trauma does not indicate prognosis. 
or improvement afterwards. And that's because the, the brain is intimately connected with every other aspect physiologically of the body. And it depends on people's cognitive reserve, their physiologic reserve, their general state of health prior to the injury. Sometimes the injury is just kind of the, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. And then there's this downstream effect that now comes up to the surface. And um, as a result, we've seen people with fairly significant head injuries heal relatively quickly versus some people with fairly minor head injuries or don't even realize they had a head injury because the old idea is still in place, which is if you didn't have a, uh, a blackout or a loss of consciousness, then you didn't have a concussion, which is absolutely not true. And there so are can still you... heads of there's still heads of neurosurgical departments here in our country, Canada, globally, that have that worldview, which is absolutely untrue. So the, the science and the data around head trauma recovery and concussion recovery is still kind of evolving towards a new standard of care that appreciates um, significant head injuries don't have to include loss of consciousness and can significantly impact a person's life even if they're not aware of it. So can you just um, explain that a little bit more? I mean, I think that's what what most people um, see as, you know, a, a serious head trauma is if you get knocked out and then you have a concussion. Um, you know, that's definitely the idea that I grew up with. But what you're saying is that um, this is really different now. Uh, like our understanding of it is different. And, and you said some people don't even realize they had a head trauma. Uh, so what what kind of puts us into... Um, a category of having a head trauma um, or brain injury, I guess. Uh-huh. It's, it's helpful to have, I can answer that in a couple of different ways. Um, so I work with a lot of athletes and people who have reached a certain degree of personal performance, particularly athletic performance, and may have access to getting baseline functional measures um, because they also know that they're going to be in some kind of combat sport and want to have a baseline to be able to compare should they have an eventual trauma to um, need to reassess. So you can look at that neurocognitively through cognitive performance measures. You can look at it neuroanatomically and get a brain scan, um, and you can also look at it subjectively, like what a person's mood you know, all those symptoms that I listed earlier, just generally where those are at. And especially people in the sports arena, I highly recommend some kind of baseline ass assessment be done so that now we have a baseline to compare it to because it's usually not a matter of if somebody's going to get a head trauma, but when they get a head trauma. That's for the sports arena. For the layperson's arena, I really appreciate that the title of your discussion, which is falling through the cracks, because so many people that experience head traumas do fall through the cracks. The science is evolving. And it's, it's one of those things where I've also worked with a lot of veterans who will say, I wish I had, and this is in the severe kind of context of having really bad um, downstream effects from a head trauma, they would say, because I can't see what's happening and because other people can't see what's happening, it's so frustrating because it feels like I'm either making it up or um, I, I, I can't quite 
communicate the severity of what's happening in my head, and that's so frustrating. It would even be better if, if I had lost one of my limbs, because at least at that point, it would be obvious. And we can't actually see what's going on in the brain from the outside's perspective. We can if we're looking at some of the new fancy neuroanatomical scanning devices like functional MRIs, SPECT scans, SARA scans, these nuclear medicine studies, and we can actually see what's happening. So there's this evolving transition that's happening in the science and in the field to appreciate the fact that even small slight traumas, whiplash injuries, slipping on the ice, falling back, hitting your head, and getting what's called a, contra, a coup contra coup injury, which means when the head goes back and hits something hard, the brain bounces, right? Because the brain is essentially like this really beautiful piece of um, tissue, kind of like the, the texture of tofu that's bouncing around in this really hard, edgy cranial cavity, and when it hits, it bounces against the skull and then ricochets and bounces across and hits the other side. So oftentimes, if you hit the back of the head, you get a back of the head occipital injury, but also it rebounds and hits the frontal side and the prefrontal cortex. And those, the reason I say that is because those govern different aspects of function. So you, people might have problems with vision, proprioception, balance in space, the executive functions are the ones that are classically kind of described as um, organization, memory, tracking um, with attention, focus, concentration, being able to shift sets or go from one topic to another. All of these things can be impacted. So if somebody's had an injury and it's a known injury and then some of those symptoms happen, now you're in the post-concussive phase. And the best things to do during that phase are to rest, relax, convalesce, which is kind of like the standard of treatment and standard of care. But sometimes things don't get better with just rest and, and hence kind of the nature of our discussion today and some of the treatments that are available. So what is the, the traditional treatment for, for a concussion? <laughs> well, it's the traditional kind of standard of care treatment is not a whole lot different than it was 20 years ago, which is not a whole lot different than it was really 100 years ago, because most people in the current kind of Western paradigm, if you go into the ER, you have a concussion or you're in a car accident or um, you, you fell down you know, icy stairs or something like that, usually they're going to say, go home and rest. And usually it gets better. The majority of mild traumatic brain injury does get better on its own. So it's not, it's not a faulty recommendation. The challenge is, however, is that there's usually no other recommendation should that not be enough. And then we get into some of the therapies that are on the more frontier edge and frontier line of neuroanatomical restoration neurocognitive restoration, and regenerative neurology. And when I think of just the baseline level of therapies, I look at it as what are the major um, five um, working ingredients for life as we know it. Water, light, nutrition, oxygen, 
and frequency or electromagnetics. And if we're looking at therapies in each of those domains, we can see something um, really naturally arise. What are the therapies that support, promote, instigate, and recuperate each of those working um, maximally and optimally in the normal brain, but also particularly in our conversation here, in the injured brain. So, for example, one of those, if we just looked in the arena of water, is flotation therapy. Flotation therapy is an amazing technology that has so many different positive potential impacts globally, and like neurophysiologically, neuroanatomically, but also globally in the entire system. It's a fascinating technique, and we could just spend a whole hour, but I'll just give you the kind of the skinny on it. Flotation therapy is when you're laying in about a foot depth of water in a large tub about the size of like a king-size bed, and it's got about 1,000 to 1,200 pounds of Epsom salts dissolved, so like you're floating in the Dead Sea. And it's also temperature-regulated, so it's the same temperature as skin. So there's no sense of a temperature gradient between me and the outside world. There's no sight because it's completely dark enclosed room or chamber. There's no sound because I have earplugs in and my head's underneath the water. My face is above the water, like exactly just as, in my, as if I'm floating because I am floating and there's buoyancy, so there's no proprioception, no gravity. So all of the external sensory input has been quieted. And it's the first time we've been without sensory input since we were conceived. And when that happens, everything that the brain is usually fielding informationally goes quiet. So now the reference point is changed. The reference point's very much drawn inward. And to the exclusion of the environment, now my recuperative ability becomes maximized because my brain is actually optimized in ways that it hadn't been before. Oftentimes things come up, my background is both in neurology but also in psychiatry. And so I get really curious about the mind and people's aspect of their relationship with self and the world. And so flotation therapy is also one of those kind of neuropsychiatric technologies that really allows the stuff from the subconscious mind to come up online. And so then we get into the mind aspect and the kind of the personal development aspect. But as, re as it relates to neuroreparative technologies and, um, and abilities, now everything starts to kind of bleed through the system. If it was a traumatic event, I've had, I've had v many vets who had post post-traumatic stress disorder, and we're on a series of medications for it, including opiates, be healed and cured and able to resolve their medication usage and their symptomatology just using the float tank. Because everything from the subconscious mind now comes up to the surface, the trauma starts to bleed out, and interestingly enough, physiologically, the body starts to optimize its own opioid production, opiate production pain-regulating mechanistic production. And you also see the neuroendocrine system start to reboot, cortisol levels start to um, optimize. 
which means the stress hormones start to re- resolve and, and release and reduce. Um, blood pressure measures start to optimize. All the neurophysiologic mechanisms will start to gradually optimize. So usually I recommend people do a series of floats, like float three times a week for three weeks. Get like a, a 10 stack in. That's more of an acute care if somebody has severe symptoms. And then go to more of a maintenance phase. One float every week or up to every month. That's kind of booster maintenance. And it's significant. And that's just in the water arena. And, and so we could get into light and oxygen, hyperbaric oxygen therapies and another amazing technology that's been showing more and more uh, improvement for post-concussive syndrome. And even like improving stroke six months out, a well, lot, let, of, a lot of new let, debt. Let's take a quick break and we'll, we'll talk about that um, when we get back. Uh, we're talking today <laughs> with uh, Dr. Dan Engel and we're discussing his book, The Concussion Repair Manual. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Dr. Dan Engel, and he's the author of the Concussion Repair Manual. So, Dr. Engel, before the the break, you mentioned hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Can you tell us what that is? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, hyperbaric oxygen is when you're laying in a pressurized chamber and there's oxygen delivered into the system that because of the pressure saturation, it's able to saturate the tissues. So you're not actually just getting oxygen through breathing, you're actually getting oxygen through the tissue saturation itself. And through that, the oxygen is able to more deeply impact all the kind of pro-beneficial reparative mechanisms in both the brain and the body. And so uh, hyperbaric oxygen was kind of um, appreciated when a long time ago when the um, construction workers are doing um, deep um, underground um, drilling and excavation and construction. And if they came up too fast, they would have the bends, kind of classically what you see in deep water diving. And um, through that pressurization and through the, the, the mechanisms of investigation of, of being able to optimize oxygen satur- saturation and also kind of uh, nitrogen in the system, um, they started to appreciate that there's this like burgeoning field of neurological repair that happens is associated with um, this pressurized uh, chamber experience that has evolved over essentially the last hundred years or so, a little less than that, um, to be a series of dives when you go into the chamber. And some of these are old kind of chambers, kind of like they look like diving bells. And some of the new chambers are um, totally clear acrylic, so you can see out and it's not as kind of a confining experience. And um, the classic experience of um, deep water diving and oxygen saturation was for supporting people with gradual um, pressure when they come back up to the surface. But also now what we've seen kind of the, the biggest movement in hyperbaric medicine has been in wound recovery and wound repair. So diabetic um, neuropathy, so to speak, um, when somebody has um, poor circulation in their extremities, frostbite, gangrene, etc. Um, those are the biggest kind of medical indications for hyperbaric medicine. Uh, and now, over the last few years, we've seen more and more studies show a significant improvement in um, concussion and stroke recovery going into the chamber as soon as possible afterwards and going through a series of dives. That could be up to 20 or more experiences in the chamber to see significant resolution, but we're able to see that both objectively and subjectively. People feel better. They return off the study show. Um, and I don't have the exact numbers on that, but interestingly enough, 2018 is going to show more and more of this science being published in the literature. Some of the um, most recent studies are pretty new, so I haven't reviewed all of them, but the colleagues in, in the field whose expertise is um, Scott Schur is one of these guys um, who's a friend and a colleague of mine that kind of tracks this data really well. And it's, it's encouraging because it's, we're seeing more and more of the consistent research show that after a concussion, if somebody's able to get in the tank and they're able to do some of the other technologies and, and therapeutics, um, then their, their recovery rates become much more improved. So for like the immediate post-concussive protocol, if somebody had access to a float tank, float. 
If you have access to a hyperbaric chamber, do hyperbaric. If you have access to supplementation, one of the best supplements for brain recovery, but also brain optimization, is fish oil. And when I was studying medicine originally, like 20 years ago, there was this concern about fish oil causing blood thinning. And so it was actually not the the recommendation immediately after a concussion to do fish oil because there was a, the potential of worsening an intracranial bleed. Um, also, obviously, immediately after a concussion, get an assessment, get a full neurologic exam. If necessary, do a scan. You know, go through all of the the usual protocol in an allopathic Western medical triage model. Like that's where Western medicine is really good in triage care, crisis medicine, in the emergency room, in the operating room, et cetera. We're really good in acute care management. So definitely go through all of those usuals. And then once the acute um, worst case scenarios have been ruled out, then do what we just mentioned as far as some of the therapeutics. And then something like fish oil can be extraordinarily beneficial. And when we're talking about fish oil doses in the acute care management and improvement of neurologic restoration and concussion recovery, we're not just talking about optimized function doses, like two to four grams of fish oil. We're talking more like 10 to 12 grams or upwards of even 14 to 16 grams. Usually I'm recommending clients doing like 10 to 12 because that seems to be kind of the sweet spot. And even the, um, I think it's the OHSU where I did my child psychiatry fellowship, the Oregon Health and Sciences University, their um, team of surgeons are even recommending um, fish oil preoperatively because it saturates the system and they've seen uh, better post-operative outcomes using fish oil. And so the whole science of neurologic restoration is, is improving and evolving, which science is always doing that. And the use of fish oil is just one of those examples. It's now kind of like turning what used to be a no-fly zone, like don't use fish oil prior to surgery. Now they're actually saying, oh, that actually is showing to be improved and um, beneficial. That is definitely the case with um, with concussion recovery. And there's some other targeted therapeutics, dietary kind of approaches, lifestyle management approaches. And when we put all of these things together, then we really start to see a more sophisticated, um, mindful, artful way to orient somebody's maximized recovery after something like um, a head trauma. So what, what dietary recommendations would you make for somebody? Mm-hmm. Uh, great question, because that's that's oftentimes one of the uh, one of the additional easy uh, implementation strategies for people, um, because not everybody's, for example, going to have access to a float tank or to a hyperbaric oxygen tank. But what are things that people can do themselves? Um, let me just answer one one question too, because I want to just clarify something. Again, as we mentioned before, most mild concussions get better on their own. And so first and foremost, rest, manage stress, no bright lights, no loud noises, no kind of like busy, stressful kind of experiences like 
traffic, <laughs> subways, malls. It needs to be a really calming, restful, easeful experience. Sometimes it only takes a couple of days. Sometimes it make a, may take a week. Sometimes it may take longer. And so that's probably the biggest thing that people can do is just ease their system and let the natural recuperative mechanisms of the body and the brain do their work. How we can maximize that would be something like diet. And so the things, it's, it's as important to know what to take as it is to know what to not take or not do. So no sugar. Sugar is an excitotoxin. It dysregulates the hormone system. It, it increases stress hormones and stress responses. So a low sugar diet, no alcohol. Alcohol is neurotoxic. It doesn't improve outcomes. No other drugs or alcohol um, that aren't required, you know, like prescription medications, go ahead and continue to take those, but um, try and minimize the level of acidity in the system. And so by that, I mean, eat super clean, eat more uh, keto, what would be called ketogenic or uh, a higher fat-based diet than a carbohydrate-based diet. And this doesn't need to be strict ketogenic. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about preferentially high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate, and sugar. And do that in the, in the acute care management. And many people find much benefit in doing that as a maintenance. Ketogenic dietary approaches has a lot of science behind it. And people, there's something I think in the USA Today said that ketogenic diet is one of the silliest new trends in medicine. Um, and that might be the case if you're expecting ketogenic is going to, you know, turn you into a genius or, um, cure something like a, you know, Lyme disease or something way, way off the reservation. But what we're talking about here as far as a neurologic restoration, ketogenic diet has a lot of data. It's original data came in regards to epilepsy and, and, um, seizure management. And there's a lot to be said for, the, the neurologic recuperative mechanisms of ketogenic diet for epilepsy, just as there is similarly for head trauma recovery and, and concussion repair. And it's because the brain starts to switch over from using glucose as an energy source to using fat as an energy source. And so there's a metabolic shift that happens, and through that reparative mechanisms, there's more fat available to the system and so when you have the injury that, that um, is the cascade of what your concussion is, more fat is available for the reparative um, rebuilding superhighways, so to speak, like if the brain is a series of superhighways and a concussion is kind of like an earthquake, well, then we need to have the cars be able to go around the big sinkhole or the bridge that just collapsed, which means like what are the compensatory mechanisms? The brain will fill in the gaps because it's very plastic. So if there's an injury down superhighway, cars will be able to go around, so to speak. But we also want to build the new superhighways. We want to repair those roads. And we do that by giving it the necessary building blocks. Fat are a necessary part of that. So dietary approaches would be like increase the fat intake. Great fats are 
avocados if you're into more of this is where it gets more preferential kind of you know personal choice some people i was raw vegan for example for five years so i'm very aware of like going super plant-based versus no meat-based. Now I'm more of a flexitarian and just try and eat super clean, local, in-season, organic, etc. And sometimes we need the animal-based fats because they have the necessary vitamins, vitamins A, D, E, and K, that are really hard to get from plant sources. So whatever the, the kind of personal entry point and preferences for diet, what we see is that animal-based diets tend to be more preferential for neurologic recovery and repair if you're just looking broad-based numbers. Um, and you can also add things like we were talking about fish oil before or coconut oil. Um, and to be able to also realize and appreciate the fact that the digestive system and somebody's ability to absorb nutrients is significantly impactful and directly proportional to their ability to heal. So if somebody's taken a whole lot of optimized dietary foods or dietary supplements, but their digestive system is wrecked, then they may not be able to absorb, utilize, and heal through those nutrients. So we need to have that in the mix, or at least in the rubric of our assessment, what's the dietary function like? Um, coming back to that original question, um, if we're using a dietary-based approach, then we can see um, good functional improvement. But we usually um, have that in the context of um, looking at other necessary lifestyle factors. And sometimes concussion is just the entry point to lifestyle optimization for people. It was certainly like that for me. Because when I was having problems with post-concussive syndrome and I was asking my neurologic attending and physicians at the time, because this is when I was in med school and, and in my residency, and no one had any really good answers, I started trying to do everything on my own, and I realized, wow, if I clean up my diet, if I stop drinking alcohol, if I start getting, if I, if I really try and optimize my schedule and get better sleep, things, I'm feeling better. So it, it, it moved me from the standard American diet, which was high sugar, high levels of toxicity and processed foods. I started cleaning things up and went into more of a paleo approach, ancestral eating, just really basic foods, but that are clean foods, high nutrient dense foods. I noticed a massive improvement in that just by itself. Um, and another good friend of mine, uh, Kevin Ballister just, um, came out with a book called, um, feed a brain. And, and it's from the concussion care and repair perspective of the foods to utilize for brain recovery. So I'll just mention that book because that's a whole, and, and he, he outlines it really well. It's a really good discourse on all of the foods and the necessary strategies. And many of, much of what I've just mentioned is kind of highlighted in that book as well. And, and because he came from kind of a, a really severe TBI coma perspective, he's got, he sees it from both sides. And there's not a whole lot of books out there that are good for concussion recovery from the food perspective. We do hold, we do highlight a good portion of that in the concussion repair manual um, from that kind of fat-based oriented approach. 
Um, well, you know, I, I, I love that you went on um, to explain a lot of this. It, I think a lot of people will probably feel because it's their brain that, you know, food can't really do much for them. And, and I think when you look at anything that affects your health, it's really important to get that that base, that core, so that you can heal better and, and faster. Yeah. And, and it's important to recognize that we have choice here. It's so easy to feel victimized by a head injury and, and the ramifications of it. I've certainly experienced that myself. It's frustrating. Sometimes it feels like you're thinking through mud. Um, I, like my, my personality has is, is just gotten hijacked and I'm irritable or I'm super lethargic or I can barely get out of the bed or I just can't concentrate. My memory's off. Whatever the thing, it's really frustrating. So I've, I've been in the inner experience of that, and we have choice. Oftentimes, these are the initial, I know it's, it's a strange concept, but like Viktor Frankl said in Man's Search for Meaning, which is one of the best books of all time, the kind of the summary statement for that, for me in that book was, the last of the great human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. So I can choose faith in this. I can choose to it, somehow believe that this is happening for my benefit. And if I glean some benefit through this, and if I make choices now in my life moving forward that are beneficial for me long term, then maybe this is serving me in some kind of way. So for many of the clients, friends and family I'm, I work with and, and coach through concussion recovery, that's the orientation we take. This is an initiatory experience that is happening in some kind of capacity for your benefit. So let's orient towards it, and let's make the, the beneficial choices that we know will optimize our function, and then have patience, diligence, and um, accountability over time. Because it's also one of those things that's important to be able to track the symptoms and track improvement. It's super hard to do that from the, per, the person's perspective going through a concussion because if the executive functions are off, your, your ability to track, to motivate, to self-observe, if all of those are impacted, then how do you know where you're at? How do you know if what you're doing is even working? And how, how do you stay consistent with the plan unless you're seeing improvement? So it's really important to have that level of support and so when we're working with, you know, if it's a health coach who's got a, a concussion orientation or somebody in the health field, doctors usually don't have time to do this kind of work. So it ends up being like the partners, the loved ones, the family members, the people going through concussion that are now trying to learn all of this on their own and be in the case management and the therapist and the um, advocacy arena, you know, for their loved one. And that's a frustrating and, and, and challenging position. Um, but again, it's also an opportunity. We are together collectively evolving the field of regenerative neurology. It's happening as we speak. That's why when you go into the self-help section of the bookstore, there are more books now on mind and consciousness and brains than any other subject. So it's a fascinating field to recognize that our consciousness is is housed and seeded throughout our body, but it's intimately connected to both our brains and our hearts. 
When the brain when the brain goes offline or is significantly impacted, consciousness is going to get impacted. Our ability to be self aware and to so, um, Doctor Engel, I'm going to interrupt you. We're going to take a quick break, and we can um, pick this up where we we left off <laughs> after the break. <laughs> We're talking today okay. with Doctor Jan Engel, and and he is the author of the Concussion Repair Manual. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Dan Engel, and we're discussing his book, The Concussion Repair Manual. So, Dr. Engel, um, in your your book, you talk about um, things like meditation and how those are helpful in recovery. Can you just explain that? Mm Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, Yeah, meditation is one of those interesting aspects of neurologic recovery. Um, in our busy day and age today, meditation and mindfulness is ever more important because it's the one thing that we can consistently do to engage our inner world around the time aspect of urgency that continues to push us forward 
And the time urgency piece and stress is actually one of the most, if not the most, indicative factor of chronic disease in our day and age. The, the pace of our lives, the, the, the acceleration of our technology, we are evolving our environment that is at an accelerated pace that is outpacing our neurologic response and our own neurologic evolution. So it's ever more important to be able to find that inner place within ourselves where we can slow down if that's what we're desiring to do. And usually for most people, when they get kind of like out of the, the driver's seat of, of being, you know, in the quote unquote rat race, most people will appreciate the fact that when they get into a more natural rhythm, everything starts to improve and heal. Now, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be on the planet because everything is evolving so fast, but we're also recognizing that we're getting sicker and less and less happy. And when you look at the, the environments and the communities globally that are the most happy, they're the ones that are typically the most connected to one another and a sense of community and a sense of their own purpose and passion and a sense of their own um, natural rhythm. And so whatever's our optimized natural rhythm, we know the optimized natural rhythm for healing the nervous system is a more slow, um, uh, intentional pace. And the way to engage that is if we, can't in, if we can't rely on our environment to support a more slow, intentional healing pace, then we have to source it from within. We can create our immediate environment to do that, create that in our homes, create that in our immediate families, in our immediate communities. But the communities at large are still accelerating their pace. So the opportunity is to find that center point within, breathe into that, bring the mindfulness back to that, and to orient more internally to that place of finding um, the, the rest point and the faith point. Those are the two consistent uh, necessary pieces. So how do I rest my mind? How do I rest my body? How do I rec offer my nervous system the recuperative environment to be able to accelerate my own body brain potential? Because we're built as self-organizing, self-healing machines. We can support that process through our own choices. And so, the faith point is something that we were talking about before. If I can orient my awareness and my faith to the belief that this is happening for my benefit in some way, and usually that happens in all of our lives, after some big crisis, maybe it's years later, we look back and we say, oh, that's why that happened, or that's how that shaped me, or that's how that might have benefited me in some kind of capacity, but right now I wouldn't have seen that in the middle of it. In the eye of the storm, maybe I'm not able to see that, but I can orient my faith towards that. And we know that people that orient their faith 
towards the healing potential of anything that's happening, cancer, um, heart disease, um, infection, concussion, whatever it is, our faith is directly proportional to our healing capacity, ability, and productivity. So that's our power to do. And it's hard to do, I get it, with concussion, because it feels like the mind is off. The inflammatory cascade is taking over. It's hard to concentrate and focus. Fine, come to the breath. Get your bare feet in nature. Take a walk in the woods. Slow it down. And that's hard for a lot of, particularly in our environment, particularly a lot of athletes I work with, you know, they're used to running super high-paced um, lifestyles or executives or, you know, fill in the gap. Soccer moms managing three or four kids, fill in the gap. We're used to running at a high pace. So sometimes this is an initiation into re-engagement with our life in a slower way. And oftentimes when we take that lens, most of the clients I work with get better, and they're actually in some way thankful that this led them to a different relationship that they have with their own lives. I think that this is good advice for anybody, whether they've had a concussion or not, to, um, you know, it, it, it will make you evaluate what's important. And we, we tend to fill in our, our spaces with doing. And um, it, it a lot of people feel guilty if they're not doing stuff. They don't feel productive. They they feel like they're being lazy or, or useless. And, of course, this isn't conducive to healing if we're always busy and not taking that time to be aware of ourselves and allow ourselves to heal and, and relax and, and, of course, it, being aware of what needs to heal. Because sometimes people have no idea what really is wrong because they're not listening to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully agreed. Fully agreed. All of these are, are opportunities to self-reflect and choose. Um, and hopefully with a lot of support, when necessary, we get more aware of what our internal choices and, and best choices are. So um, in the beginning, you listed five things that are important, um, water, light, nutrition, oxygen, and frequency. And um, there is, I, I think we haven't spoken about light yet. Can you explain how that's helpful for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, light is one of the building blocks. And it's, um, it's super helpful to, to recognize that um, light drives all of our cellular reactions and we are consistently engaged in the natural light cycles daylight night light or um, nighttime etc and when we're exposed to optimized light our entire physiologic response upregulates our entire immune system upregulates our entire inju- injury response rate including neurologic injury, including concussion recovery, optimizes. So um, light, just through vitamin D exposure transdermally, if I go out and I sit and I lay under the sun, um, I'm, ex- I'm absorbing those photons and frequencies. And similarly, the plants do the same thing. They use light for photosynthesis to create um, the food that we eat, and then we take that into our system. Um, light is 
one of those um, anti-inflammatory factors. Vitamin D just by itself is anti-inflammatory. It's pro-hormone. It guards against 60-plus different cancers. Um, it optimizes thyroid production, me- metabolic rate, etc. Most people's vitamin D levels are significantly low. Um, and that science is also evolving. When I was in med school, I think the optimized um, vitamin D level, that at least it was recommended, was 20 to 40. And now we know that for optimal physiology, the level is closer to 60 to 90. And so I, uh, for a while, I lived in the Northwest in Portland, Oregon, and particularly in the wintertime, 90% of the clients that I was working with had um, sub-threshold vitamin D levels in the wintertime. And you can just see it. You know, you, you can feel it. And so we need to get good light exposure. And if it's not enough because of our northern latitudes or the winter months or our lifestyle, if, you know, from 8 to 5, if we're inside under fluorescent lights working on the computer we're probably not getting enough good light exposure. So I recommend everybody get a vitamin D level, 25 OH vitamin D level. Optimized should be between 60 and 90. And then supplement if you're, if, if needed. Um, I'm and, just going to, I'm going to interrupt you. Um, I think that's great information and, and your, your book has way more than what we spoke about, but we're going to have to end the show. Um, <laughs> okay. I think we could, we could talk for hours. Um, now, is there any way that people can get a hold of you or your book if they have any more questions? Certainly. Uh, the book is available um, through our website by the same title, concussionrepairmanual.com. Uh, I think it's also available in a variety of different distribution outlets, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, and a few others. Um, and also my website is drdanengle.com, D-R-D-A-N-E-N-G-L-E.com. And those are probably the two, uh, most streamlined ways to get in touch with me. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you on a break that I, I don't think that this is discussed enough, and I think it might be because our our treatment hasn't changed much, you know, just rest and, and you'll feel better. But I think this is a really important topic because, as you said, it's not if you'll get a concussion, it's it's when, especially for those who are active. Um, so thank you for, uh, for everything you do and bringing this information forward for everybody. Mm. You're very welcome, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure to be on the show with you today. And I want to thank everybody for listening. We were talking today with Dr. Dan Engel, and we are discussing his book, The Concussion Repair Manual. Um, Just be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.